I describe narcissistic abuse as a multi-layered attack on your sense of self. It is a dismantling of who you are and what you believe you're worth. It can include a wide range of behaviors, but some that we often see are belittling, criticizing, gaslighting, manipulation, passive aggressiveness. The more sadistic types of narcissists are certainly capable of physical abuse. Typically, it's more mental and emotional. Keep in mind, narcissistic abuse can also be it can be physical, sexual, spiritual, and financial in nature. So it can encompass so many things. A lot of people, especially the grandiose narcissists, they can look very larger than life and charming and charismatic. But a, a lot of that work is defense mechanisms to protect that insecure right. core. That's why right. they, they have to deny and blame shift and gaslight and make it your fault because they can't be held accountable for who they are really being. Hello, and welcome to Quiet Voice, Fearless Mind, where we help introverts and aspiring leaders to reach their full potential. My name is Terrence Lee, aka The Introvert Leader. Welcome to the show. And I have a very special guest today. Uh, This is someone I've been connected with on social media for a while now. Uh, It's been a while, and the work that they do, I just think is so interesting. And one thing that I love about this show is getting to have interesting conversations with fellow introverts that are in so many different fields and just doing interesting things. So uh, I would like to welcome my guest, Chelsea Brooke Cole to the show. Chelsea, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I know we were just saying how I can't believe we haven't done this sooner, but I've been in my book writing coma for so long. I've just popped out for some podcasts now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a reason that I'm so excited to have you on because you have a book coming out. Is that right? I do. Yeah. I've been loving the introvert space and the time to just write quietly. And now I'm, you know, I'm so excited to let everybody know what I've been doing. But as I'm sure all your listeners know, it takes energy for us introverts to get out there and talk and do interviews. But I'm still excited to share about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being on because as a fellow introvert, yes, I do know the energy (laughs) that it takes and all of that. So now this is awesome having you on. So Chelsea, I wanted to start a little bit with tell me about what you do, because what you do to me is so interesting. And honestly, I haven't met or talked to anyone that is in this particular area or field. So Mm. can you just tell a little bit about what you do and also What is the passion behind what you do and what drives you to do it? Mm. So I'm a psychotherapist and certified partner trauma therapist specializing in narcissistic abuse and relational trauma. I work with people through therapy and coaching, and I do some speaking as well. Um, Recently spoke at a conference to help therapists learn how to um, provide effective therapy for narcissistic abuse survivors. And my passion for this really, we have to go all the way back. So I was raised in a household where my mom was super empathetic, also an introvert, an empath, very secure relationship with her. And then my dad, for a long time, I described as emotionally neglectful and just cold and distant, just not much of a relationship there. He would be one person in public, another person at home. So my experiences with these hot and cold kind of relationships started very early on. And it kind of set the foundation for 
When I got into adulthood and dating, those were the relationships I was familiar with, the ones where you had to to keep working really hard. And I was very familiar with feeling like I needed to earn love, that love was conditional. So that really you know, drew me in for a while to feel most comfortable with kind of narcissistic relationships where there's that very hot and cold up and down cycle. Hmm. That is so interesting. Do you think there's a link? And I often think about this. You know, you talked about your upbringing, you talked about your parents and the link between your dad and some of the relationships that you Mm -hmm. ended up in. Do you think there really is a link between like our childhood and how we're raised and everything and the emotional relationships that we end up in? I mean, it sounds like that's what you just described. And um, it sounds like there's a link there. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're growing up, you don't know what you're experiencing, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. You just know that's what is like whatever is in your household. However, people communicate how emotions are dealt with, what boundaries are, are not there. That just becomes reality. And so for a while until we become adults and we have this perspective to look back on and see, oh, how I was raised really wasn't okay. Or that was very dysfunctional. When you're in it, you're just living it, surviving it, and whatever feels familiar initially feels safe. And so a lot of times if you have a more dysfunctional background growing up, then when you get into adulthood, those are the relationships you're most comfortable with in a way, even though logically there's a part of you that says, you know, I want someone who's healthy or I don't want a relationship like I had with my parents or in my family or that I saw my parents have, but emotionally, and that's really how we make decisions initially until we do our healing work, we're drawn to those relationships that feel most familiar and and that we're most comfortable with. And if you grew up in a dysfunctional household, you're almost more drawn to those kinds of relationships. Mm. Yeah, that's that's just so interesting because if you're used to that, then for you, it's normal, right? So you may not even realize it's dysfunction because if that's what you've experienced and that's what you've been around, Mm -hmm. then that's your reality. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've I've read stories about um, kids that uh, grew up in war torn countries and areas like that. Mm -hmm. And they're used to seeing war, right? Mm -hmm. They're used to violence. And so that's just naturally your your mindset or that's where Mm -hmm. you go. It's interesting to hear you talk about that. Can you talk some, you mentioned the healing journey. Mm-hmm. Can you talk some about for somebody that maybe has dealt with a narcissist or is dealing with a narcissist, um, what is the healing journey? Actually, you know what? Let me back up for a second. Can you explain what a narcissist is? Because that may be yeah. something that people that are listening may, you know, that's a word that we hear. And I'll mm-hmm. be honest, I've heard that word. But I'll also be honest and say, I don't truly know the definition of it. I think I do, but I would love to hear you explain that. Yeah, it's so important to define it because it has become a bit of a buzzword these days. And so narcissism is a personality trait that exists on a spectrum. You can be a little bit narcissistic to highly narcissistic. On the lower end of the scale, you can think of your garden variety narcissist who might be great to liven up a dinner party, but really doesn't have the capacity for empathetic conversations. And at the high end of this scale, we have the malignant narcissist, which is where we get into really psychopathy, more of those antisocial behaviors. 
And it includes things like grandiosity, superficiality, superiority, entitlement, interpersonal exploitativeness, and a lack of empathy. What most people think of when they hear the term narcissist is the grandiose narcissist, the one who's charming, charismatic, kind of arrogant, but they have this alluring presence that you're often drawn into. Interestingly enough, if you have a more sensitive temperament, as a lot of introverts and empaths do, you might feel a little off-put by how extra a grandiose narcissist comes across as. And the other type of narcissist that you might run into or that we hear about is what's often referred to as a covert narcissist or a vulnerable narcissist. These are the narcissists that seem initially very victimized, like even withdrawn, depressed, sullen, or they seem very nice, like very courteous, very flattering. And they draw you in by getting your sympathy and your pity and your attention. So uh, if you tend to be a helper or a fixer, this is the kind of narcissist that certainly I have been drawn into a relationship with because you have these pure intentions to just be helpful. But the reality is there's never enough help you can give a vulnerable narcissist because they feel entitled to your help, your time, your money, your resources, and they guilt you if you try to set boundaries or walk away. Hmm. Hmm. I think I've ran into each one of those kinds you just described. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, as you were describing them, literally, I was sitting here and I was thinking of some specific people. Mm-hmm. And so that's really interesting. So do you think, what is the difference between a narcissist and somebody that maybe is just loud or someone that likes to hear themselves talk? Because I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of recent conversations I've even had with some people where, you know, myself have more of an introverted personality, right? I believe a lot of introverts are similar where I am empathetic. So I'm the type where if someone is talking to me, I really want to listen and understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. right? And there are other people, I'm thinking of some right now, where it's typically more, they give off the feeling of they love to hear themselves talk. And if you get your words in, kind of doesn't matter to them, right? Mm -hmm. Like they want to make sure they get their words. And I have problems with people like that. Like I have (laughs) communicating in those situations, being completely honest, because I think me having empathy and really wanting to understand and hear people, I kind of Mm -hmm. expect that same respect. So do you see that as a narcissistic trait? If somebody is not the type to, you know, they kind of want to take over conversations. They're not really listening actively. Do you see that Mm -hmm. as a narcissistic trait? It can certainly be something we see in grandiose narcissists. And interestingly enough, grandiose narcissists tend to be more extroverted. They are quite socially adept and they look like they have a lot of acquaintances or friends or they do at least have a lot of interactions. They are the people that will go on a monologue and talk to them about themselves for 45 minutes and genuinely don't care if you've ever said anything. Now, there's certainly a difference between, you know, a grand, a true grandiose narcissist and someone who's just extroverted because people who are extroverted do, we know, tend to be very talkative and they can take over a conversation, not meaning to, um, but just because that's how they are and they, and they connect with people through talking instead of introverts, you know, really connect more through listening or that's just our natural go-to. So there's certainly a difference there. So Chelsea, how would you define uh, narcissistic abuse? You know, when, when I think mm-hmm. about just the way you're describing narcissism, 
I could definitely see situations where somebody could find themselves in a abusive situation and maybe not just physically, but even just verbally. Right. Yeah. So can you describe like, what does it mean to have narcissistic abuse? Mm -hmm. I describe narcissistic abuse as a multi-layered attack on your sense of self. It is a dismantling of who you are and what you believe you're worth. It can include a wide range of behaviors, but some that we often see are belittling, criticizing, gaslighting, manipulation, passive aggressiveness. The more sadistic types of narcissists are certainly capable of physical abuse. Typically, it's more mental and emotional. Keep in mind, narcissistic abuse can also be, it can be physical, sexual, spiritual, and financial in nature. So it can encompass so many things. Wow. Wow. So there are like different categories to narcissism, like different ways that somebody can be abused in that mm -hmm. way. That's I, I never knew that. Yeah, so many ways. And that's part of the reason it's so disorienting for survivors, because you can imagine over time, it's not just one thing. Like this person isn't just manipulating you or gaslighting you. They're doing all of the things. Like Narcissistic abuse is a type of psychological and emotional abuse. Emotional abuse, you know, includes all those things that we're talking about. When we're talking about narcissistic abuse, we're really talking about a type of person who perpetrates emotional abuse. So you have all the psychological and emotional abuse that's going on. Plus, you have to deal with someone who's very grandiose and entitled and superficial and exploitative and everything else that goes with someone being a narcissist. So is somebody that has uh, an introverted personality, a lot of people that, you know, listen to my show or uh, fellow introverts like me, mm -hmm. we have a lot of different um, things that we deal with, things we can relate to, various struggles, various issues. Would you say that someone that's more introverted is more prone to being taken advantage of or prone to a narcissist? Yeah, trying to take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's something that would be more tied to someone as an introvert or an extrovert, or maybe that doesn't matter? Or what? What have mm -hmm. you? Seen? Yes and no. It's not that narcissists will particularly pick out introverts, but narcissists do tend to gravitate toward empaths, and empaths tend to be more like or more likely to be introverts. And narcissists tend to exploit certain behavioral and emotional patterns like overthinking and being easily guilted, giving second chances, having a very compassionate heart, you know, being sensitive to other people's feelings, all of that, you know, a lot of introverts and empaths certainly relate to. But if we just think about what narcissists are after, they're looking to protect their fragile core. They're looking to be you know, in control of the situation. And if you have someone who tends to be very self-reflective, which a lot of introverts are, like we're very much in our head, ruminating, thinking things through, just imagine how much more likely you are to try to fix the relationship because you are a self-reflective, compassionate person. And a narcissist is looking for someone to take all the responsibility because they want to take none of the responsibility. Right. You know, the more I hear you talk about this, narcissism, narcissists, I should say, sound very insecure to me. They yeah. sound like they're insecure people. Mm -hmm. Because if there you is have, that, 
Yeah. I mean, if you have to do that to people or if that's even just your the way you view life, the way that you feel like you have to view yourself, there has to be some mm -hmm. underlying like insecurity there. Right. Like mm -hmm. I have to be in control. I have to give off this aura that I have it all together or whatever it is. It just it seems like it's not a strong place to be in. Right. Like it's not a strong mm -hmm. mindset. It's actually a pretty weak mindset to me. Yeah, and I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out because a lot of people, especially the grandiose narcissists, they can look very larger than life and charming and charismatic, but a, a lot of that work is defense mechanisms to protect that insecure right. core. That's why right. they they have to deny and blame shift and gaslight and make it your fault because they can't be held accountable for who they are really being. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Gosh, you are really making me think here, Chelsea. This is an interesting mm -hmm. conversation. I mean, seriously, because there are so many people and I'm just thinking through my life and so many other people that I know, and some of them aren't even introverts. Some are just friends of mine that maybe they, you know, they're more extroverted or whatever the case is, but they've had experiences with people that are so much like what you're describing, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. it's a relationship or it's a person where everything somehow is not their fault. Mm -hmm. Everything somehow is the other person's everything. Th there's no self-reflection. There's no, I'm sorry. There, there's none of that. Um, yeah. and, and I've dealt with some of that. And I think a reason that it's been difficult for me at times in my life is because again, I, I've been described by some people in the past as too nice, mm -hmm. but I think it's because I come off where if someone's talking, I, I listen, you know, yeah. uh, I don't, like when people interrupt me, so I don't interrupt, I try to actively listen. Um, I'm pretty much like a softie. Like I really, I, I care about people, yeah. you know, like how people are feeling when someone, when I ask someone, Hey, how was your day? I really want to hear the answer, you know? And I think there's yeah. so many people out there, like what you're describing where they'll ask a question like that. And really they just want to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. It's a gateway to just open up so I can talk about me. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. And it's just so I wonder how much of the population, I don't know if there are like any statistics on this or anything, but how much of the population is narcissistic? I mean, it's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. You talk about there's a scale to it. Right. So mm -hmm. some people. So do all of us have have some level of narcissism? It's just some of us it's lower than others or it's just like certain certain people are on that scale. Mm, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because a lot of people, when they hear narcissism is on a spectrum, they think, oh, so is everyone a little bit narcissistic? Or, you know, I wasn't super compassionate there. Ooh, that was kind of defensive or entitled of me. Like, right. hey, am I a narcissist? So, no, because narcissism is about patterns of behavior over time. We okay. wouldn't call someone an introvert, at least not accurately, just because they stayed in on a Friday night. We can't call someone a narcissist just because they acted defensively once in the last six months. Narcissism is about those patterns of behavior over time. They're the people you consistently have difficulty with. They're consistently high conflict, rigid in their thinking. They're very antagonistic. They're victimized. They're vindictive. They're entitled. They're emotionally dysregulated. So if you have you know, one or two of these things that you see in yourself and you think, oh, I do that very occasionally, but that's super out of character for me that doesn't make you a narcissist. Narcissism is about those patterns of behavior over time. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So for the people listening, you know, so the people that are listening to this episode right now, 
how would they know if they're dealing with a narcissist? Meaning if they're working with one, if they're in a relationship with one, maybe they have a friend that um, may potentially be one. Like, how would they know? What are some of the signs? What are some of, you know, you did a great job explaining the different types and everything earlier and ways you can be, you know, exploited. Um, what are some kind of red flags if maybe they have no idea what mm-hmm. to look for or what it might be? Mm-hmm. In my book, I actually break this down into four different categories. I'm sure we won't have time to get into them all. So I talk about, though, there's emotional, behavioral, cognitive, and physiological warning signs that you're being narcissistically abused. The first red flag most people are usually aware of is changes in their thinking. This relationship starts, um, this relationship starts not adding up. No matter how many times you try to make sense of things with this person, it just feels like nothing makes sense. For example, a lot of times we want our words, action, values all to match. When you're married to someone, you expect to be able to rely on them, receive love from them, communicate with them. When you're married to someone and they're antagonistic or they're passive aggressive and they're very critical, we feel very uncomfortable with that disparity, the difference between our expectations and reality. And that creates something called cognitive dissonance where things aren't adding up. And that creates a lot of anxiety. So at that point, a lot of people will work harder to try to make it make sense. They'll start justifying, rationalizing, explaining, well, yeah, my partner's critical of me, but they don't really mean it, or they're just stressed at work, or we just have very different communication styles or attachment styles or different love languages. And of course, the narcissist, as we talked about, is more than willing for you to take all of the responsibility. So you find yourself working harder and harder to try to make sense of things, to make the relationship work, which you can never do. So the underlying feeling you always have in a narcissistic relationship is that you never feel enough. Nothing you ever do is good enough. Nothing ever makes things better, at least for any length of time. Mm, Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. And I know that there's somebody listening that that's really going to help because there may be somebody that is experiencing that right now. Mm -hmm. And So I I appreciate you sharing that because some people may be going through it and not even realize that they are. So, you know, listening to this, I think that that really is going to help somebody. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I want to shift gears for a minute. Um, talk about being a writer, you know, talk oh. about being an author and, you know, being someone that's that's a, a fellow introvert uh, and just talk about your writing process. Talk about what it means for you to write. Like, what is that like? I know mm-hmm. how I feel when I'm able to write. How do you how do you feel when you're able to write and just in general being an author? How do you feel about that? Mm hmm. Writing has been a part of my life since I was a kid. Like I've written songs and I've always journaled and I've I've always really enjoyed writing. And when throughout the the writing process of my book, it you pour so much of yourself into it and I find myself never quite wanting to let it go. Like I just yeah. I keep going back to it and I'm like no, I could say it like this and I could add this. I don't know how many thousands, thousands of words I had before we had to edit my book. But my editor was like, you really have to find a way to uh, kind of take this down because you have so much you're going to overwhelm people. I think that's the thing that I can get stuck in is I just, um, I can get lost in in writing and I want to research and I want to go away and like 
keep writing and keep researching things. And I don't know that you ever quite feel that it's ready, that your book is, you know, I don't know how you have felt, but it's like, I could still take my book and do more with it. Yes. No, I can totally relate to that. And I love what you said though, about just, you know, the writing process. And it's almost like you birth a baby in a way, you know, like it kind of becomes your baby and it's like, you don't want to let it go. I can so relate to what you're saying with that. And I just really want to salute you um, because I know what that process is like. And so the work you've put in, it's coming to fruition. And so I'm super excited for you. And I would just, you know, want you to let everyone know that's listening. Tell them a little bit about your book. Tell them about, Mm -hmm. you know, the title, the what they'll get out of it, because we want to make sure and I'll have all the information in the show notes for people to pre-order and get the book. But uh, yeah, let them know a little bit about it. Yeah. I really wanted to make this book super helpful for anyone, whether you don't really know about narcissism yet and you're just learning about it, or you've been on this journey for a long time, there's something you're going to be able to take away from this. So the book is broken up into three parts. The first part is on the inner workings of a narcissist. We dive into what is a narcissist, six types of narcissists, what's it feel like to be love bombed by these different types, really give you a full understanding of what that means. The second part is on helping you heal attachment wounds, trauma triggers, looking back at your past history and have you had other relationships with narcissists, talking about the trauma bond. The last part is focused on post-traumatic growth strategies. What are the insights that you need? What practical strategies do you need just in order to heal mindset shifts you need to make reasons people get stuck? I tried as best as possible to take my therapy and coaching process and put it in book form. So it would be helpful for anybody wherever you are in your healing journey. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chelsea, I am again, salute you. And I think that the work you do is so needed because, you know, there are people in this world that again, they may not even realize that they're in a situation like that, or they're dealing with someone like that. And so the work that you do is going to help so many people. I know that the book is going to touch so many people as well. You know, that's one of the great things about writing is that, you know, the words from your mind and the thoughts from your mind and your ability to help people, you get to put that on pages. Right. And people get to take that and, you know, it gets to improve their life. So I just want to salute you. And I think that's awesome what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really, really do help. Hope that it helps a lot. of. So, Chelsea, it has been so good having you on the show. I really appreciate you being on. And for everyone that's listening, remember, there's only one you and there's only one life. So make it count. God bless. Thanks for tuning in this week. Hey, if you know someone that needs to hear the topic that we talked about today, make sure you share this episode with them. Or if you'd like to share the episode with your followers, if you think a few of them would find value in it, then screenshot the episode and tag me at The Introvert Leader on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.